December 20th A Christmas Stuffing Mrs. Marjorie Howe, a woman blessed with the tenacity, agility and build of a rugby prop forward, who is able to use all these skills to bully through the queue and secure the last turkey in the butchers, discovered as the outer layer in a grisly turducken. For those who aren't yet aware of this dish, which is already plenty grisly enough, it is made by stuffing a chicken inside a duck inside a turkey. I shall leave it to your imagination to figure out where this particular turkey was then stuffed. Lightning flying all the snow with a hey ha 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 ho ha ho It's bells ringing gaily singing merrily we go Deadvent Calendar A Merry Murder Mystery in 24 Crimes Written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington If you tell me that you did it for my own safety, I said, I shall start crying again. I didn't believe it when Sherlock Holmes told Watson that that's why he faked his own death, and you, despite your pretensions, are no Sherlock Holmes. My friend Shiloh had the rare decency to look abashed. We were sitting in my dark corner of the hotel bar, Shiloh having secured himself a room there too, although he insisted on doing it under an assumed name, of course. Then I certainly shan't tell you that the associates of Krampus have been dogging your every footstep ever since, he said. I would point out that the luxury of being dead afforded me far greater leeway in my investigations, but I suspect that would do little to mollify you. Not so much mollified as bloody furious, I said. Well, also, it wouldn't be true, said Shiloh, shrugging. I've found out nothing. Okay, definitely bloody furious, I said. Except, he looked up with a gleam in his eye, the small matter of the real name of the man we call Krampus. Oscar Bulliver, I said. The son of Oswald, the founder of Bulliver's Toys. Oh, he said, looking so crestfallen that I almost felt sorry for him, and then I remembered that he had allowed me to believe for two whole days that he was dead, and that I had only found out otherwise by tackling him and pulling off his fake nose. Oh, all right, I said, relenting. That was more of a guess than a certainty, but I'm glad you agree with me. Come on then, tell me how you avoided certain death and discovered the identity of your murderer. I know I'm going to have to hear about it eventually. Shiloh leaned back in his seat, steepling his fingers in a manner that I was sure he knew was deeply irritating. I flatter myself that I realised the import of my mysterious Christmas present before you did. But I have to admit, even then it was almost too late. I barely had time to jump through the back window on the stairs before the bomb went off, he began. It was not until I was sitting in our back garden surrounded by debris with my ankle twisted and my ears ringing, that I realised that I had been handed a unique opportunity. If Krampus could be persuaded that his murder attempt had been successful and that I was indeed dead and out of the way, then this might be my chance to catch him off guard. Of course, I realised that in order to carry this deception off, everyone else would have to believe that I was dead. Even you, painful as that might be. He looked up and caught my expression and stopped. 
Yes, well, never mind that, he said, and shifted uneasily. Um, where was I? Sitting in the back garden, being smug and thoughtless, I said. Shall we skip that bit? Well, he said, straightening up. The next bit is disappointing. The Krampus Agency has been folded up. The offices are empty. The factory chimney contains no letters, and there's no trace of anyone having been there for days. I spoke to the various courier riders and homeless people who've been following you. In disguise, of course. Yeah, of course you were. I said, yes. But they knew nothing about why they were doing it or who was paying them. It was a dead end. All of our previous leads were cold, except... Realisation struck me. You were following me, I said. You were following me and you saw me visit Bullivers. He looked at me and spread his hands out in resignation. I was worried about you, he said. Well, that's something. So I remembered your odd one out, Mr Wilcox of the Bullivers Toy Company, he said. And I thought that that could bear some investigation. Well, I told you so, I said. Oswald Bulliver founded the company 50 years ago, he said. Very keen on toys, apparently. Toys and Christmas. Famous for it. Mr. Wilcox was very much a man after Oswald's heart. That's how he ended up a director alongside, after Oswald died, Oswald's son, Oscar, and Mr. Kinch. Now, Kinch had been campaigning for a long time to modernise the company, but Oswald always refused. And after he'd gone, Oscar Bolivar and Wilcox stuck to his tradition. But Wilcox was old and his health and the company were failing. Eventually, Kinch wore him down and persuaded him to sign off on his plans. Which were, if I'm right, I said, to take the opportunity of the Christmas party to fire everyone. Not the sort of tradition Oscar probably had in mind. Hmm. There was a majority on the board and nothing Oscar Bolivar could do about it. Nothing in the company articles at any rate, I said. Precisely, said Shiloh. You hit the nail on the head. Oscar Bolivar had to make plans of his own. And so the Krampus scheme was born. It's unhinged, I said. I mean, just killing Wilcox and Kinch would be unhinged enough. But 22 other murders puts it in a whole new area of unhinged. There's not even a door, barely a wall. Where would you hide a leaf? said Shiloh. I think the question there, I said, is why would you hide a leaf? Is it some kind of rare leaf? A magic leaf? A gold leaf? In a forest, he continued, ignoring me. You hide a leaf in a forest. Unless it's a deciduous leaf in a coniferous forest, I said. I was possibly becoming a little hysterical. The other way round, and you're looking for a needle in a tree stack. The deaths of both Wilcox and Kinch would lead directly to Oscar Bolivar, Shiloh pressed on. And then... He would have no chance of taking back control of his father's company, hide those two murders in a seemingly unconnected string of other killings, and suddenly the scarlet thread becomes an impenetrable web. Poor old Wilcox, I said. Poor old everybody. Unhinged isn't nearly enough. The man's gone quite mad. But brilliant, said Shiloh. But mad, I said. And we have him. We know who he is. We know his whole plan. All we need to do is tell Inspector Street. Then they can pick him up and it's all over. Oscar Bolivar, said my friend, has entirely disappeared. His house is locked up with at least a month's mail on the doormat. He told staff at Bolivar's he was going abroad. He has left no forwarding address. Vanished quite without a trace. So we know who he is, 
I said, but we have no clue where or what he might do next. We're right back where we were. Not quite, said Shiloh. We know who he is and he knows that we know. He knows that I am still alive. He knows that we have connected him to Bolivar's. He knows that we have foiled one of his murders. If he thought we were an enemy before, he knows it now, and we will be on his list. Our only chance is to stop him before he stops us. Don't say it, I said. The game is afoot, he said. Oh, by the way, have you still got my nose? You have been listening to Deadvent Calendar, written by Tobias Sturt from an original idea by Tobias Sturt and Rowan Davis. The story is read by John Millington, and I read the murders. The music is The Slay by The Sportsman and by Mitch Miller and his orchestra and chorus, both from the Internet Archive. If you enjoyed this podcast, please spread the word, and even rate and review it if you can. You can find more on SoundCloud, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, and on our website at ruritania.co.uk slash stories. And tune in next episode to open another fatal window in our dead vent calendar. We are going onward through the night.